Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Fusion, what's up? There we go. How are you guys doing? That was so weak. Y'all going through it? Okay. Well, you came to the right place tonight, if that's the case. I think we've all been experiencing that just a little bit, and our message has to do with that tonight. So it sounds like God gave me the right word for the right night for the right people. Are you guys glad you came out tonight? Good. Wasn't worship awesome? Man, we have such a gifted worship team. Not just talented, but gifted. Gifted. And they know how to use their giftings in the way that God intends for giftings to be used. To bring glory to him. To equip us and help us. Did anybody have just a moment with God in worship today? Can we make some noise for the worship team? Seriously, they work hard putting this stuff together. Everybody has to know the songs. Amen. (laughs) You know, if they're up here forgetting lyrics, that messes up the experience a little bit. You know, you kind of hear it. And so they work really hard, you know, putting this stuff together. And so I just wanted to celebrate them. We are still in our series under construction. Has anybody been relating to what we're talking about? Yes, right? Because we're talking about the process. A lot of people want results. Everybody wants results. Not everybody wants the process that it takes to get to results. And in this series, we're talking about God being the builder in our lives, taking us through a building process and how the goal of his building process is to build us to be like him. We are supposed to look like Jesus. We are supposed to talk like Jesus. We are supposed to live like Jesus when we receive Christ. We receive Christ and then we're called to reflect Christ. And so God does that through a process because you, you say you believe Jesus, you know, the day you get saved, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my savior. And then the process starts. A lot of us think that just the next day you're going to wake up and you're going to feel amazing. You're going to be completely healed. No problems. No issues. Has anybody learned that you can wake up the next day and still be seeing some issues? Still be seeing some challenges? We talked about the last time I spoke uh, before the panel we did last week. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Yeah, had the Fusion staff up here and everybody was sharing their stories about God bringing them through the process. But before that message, we talked about how God makes us into the image of Christ through trials and how it's not just you pray and you're like Jesus, but there's a process. But when you trust the builder, you'll trust the process. 
When you trust the builder, you'll trust the process because God has a track record of building good things. God has a track record of knowing what he's doing, amen? One thing that I wanna talk about tonight is how God is an unconventional builder. So the definition of conventional wisdom is the generally accepted belief, opinion, judgment, or prediction about a particular matter. Unconventional means not based on or conforming to what is generally done or believed. What does this have to do with what we're talking about tonight? Well, God is building something in our lives and he doesn't do it in the way that is generally accepted or is generally believed throughout society. God does it unconventionally. But does anybody believe that God knows what he's doing? Y'all don't sound like you really believe that. Do you believe that God knows what he's doing? Because it's necessary if you're gonna go through this life with Christ. You have to trust that he knows what he's doing. Isaiah 55, eight says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God speaking. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. A declaration by God that his thoughts are not our thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. He doesn't do things the way that we do them, but he does them better. He does them a lot better than how we do them. And tonight I want us to explore this truth as we look at the life of Joseph. Anybody know who Joseph is? Joseph is somebody who went through a process. Joseph is somebody who trusted the process. Genesis 37 through 50 documents the life of Joseph. And though I would love to read 13 full chapters to you tonight, I can't for sake of time. And so I encourage you, Genesis 37 through 50, to read about the life of Joseph. When you read about people's lives in the Bible, it will give you an accurate picture of how God operates in people's lives. And so a lot of times we step into walking with Jesus with an expectation of how he operates. And we think that his thoughts are our thoughts. And we think that his ways are our ways. And so we step into this process of like, well, what would I, would do? What would I do if I were Jesus? I would make me rich. So let me just declare that I'm rich, pray to be rich, and build my life around that. That's what a lot of people end up doing. But when you read God's word and you see the examples that he's given us, there have been millions, billions of people who have, who have existed throughout our existence. And God has chosen to document certain people's lives. Maybe that doesn't fascinate anybody, but that fascinates me, that of all the people who have ever lived God has chosen certain people to document for us forever. I believe this is because God wants us to learn something about how he operates in people's lives. And so many times when we are going through challenges or issues or things look different than what we thought they would look like, we'll go and try to hold on to a Bible verse. And sometimes that's helpful. But sometimes you just need to see how God operated in other people's lives that he's shown you. And a lot of times when you're walking with Jesus, 
you'll start reading and then you'll look at your life and you'll be like, okay, I see the similarities. The challenge is the things that I'm praying for God to take away might be things that he's bringing me through. Anybody hear that? The things you are praying for God to take away might be something that he's trying to bring you through. But if you only hold on to, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, for every situation in your life, you're not gonna have a full picture of what God wants to do in your life. And God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And sometimes you need to see that in action in other people's lives. So can we look at the life of Joseph tonight? All right, I'm gonna give you guys an overview. Joseph is born to Jacob. Joseph was born to Jacob in his later years, and he was Jacob's favorite. So Joseph is his father's favorite son. Joseph's brothers are jealous and hate him because he is the favorite. Joseph has a dream, has two dreams given to him by God that pretty much depict that his family will be bowing down to him. Now this is ancient Middle Eastern times and a 17 year old, the youngest, well, close to youngest, Benjamin was the youngest, but younger than a lot of them. He's telling them, hey, I had a dream that y'all are all gonna be bowing down to me. Y'all are all gonna be serving me. And this stirred up a hatred in them. God gave him a vision that God was going to bring to pass, but they hated him for it to the point that they plotted to kill him. So his brothers planned to kill him. And instead of killing him, one of the brothers intervenes and says, man, this is, this is still our brother. Let's just sell him into slavery. If there's ever a picture of compromise in the Bible, it's this is wrong. All right, let's just do something that's still really wrong, but not as wrong. Let's still abandon him. His father had sent him out to find his brothers. Imagine, you know, you're Jacob, Joseph's father. You send him out to find his brothers, and he says, bring a report back to me, you know, making sure they're okay and all that. And that's the last time he's gonna see him. They come back and tell Jacob, Joseph's father, that he was torn apart by a ferocious animal and Jacob is heartbroken. Imagine, you send your son out just, you know, for every day, they're tending sheep, and then you get this report. Imagine, can you picture the evil in these guys' hearts to sell their brother? First, they wanted to kill him, and then they're like, okay, well, we won't kill him, we'll just sell him into slavery. Our younger brother to the Egyptians, Sell him into slavery, then come tell your dad and you watch him mourn and be heartbroken over the loss of his child. Joseph is slave, sold into slavery in Egypt and then Joseph is put in charge of his master's household because God was with him. 
God gives Joseph a vision and then some less than fortunate circumstances happen and God is with him in what I'm sure if Joseph had some great Christian friends, they would be telling him, bro, this is not good. You might wanna check your heart, bro. God might be trying to teach you something here. Looks like you messed up somewhere. You're in slavery. But Joseph is sold into slavery and then is put in charge of his master's household and his master trusted him with everything. He had reign over his whole household. He was doing his accounting, all types of stuff. Life was, life was pretty good for slavery. God was with him. God blessed his master's household just because Joseph was there. Joseph is falsely accused and imprisoned after that. His master's wife accused, tries to bring Joseph to bed with her. Joseph refuses, and then she just falsely accuses him of trying to come on to her. So his master sells him, well, doesn't sell him, uh, sends him to prison. So he's falsely accused and imprisoned. Joseph is so faithful in prison that the warden puts him in charge of the prison. Now, if you're like me, you probably struggle being faithful at a job you don't like. Joseph was faithful in prison. So faithful. Not, not just, I read my Bible every day. Not just, I still pray. So faithful that the warden of the prison can see the evidence of God on his life so much that he puts him in charge of the prison. This wasn't just a Secret vertical relationship where I got, you know, I got my faith, you know, but I'm going to still chop it up with y'all. How y'all chop it up? We're going to talk about how terrible it is to be in prison. <laughs> I'm going to still complain, but I still believe, though. <laughs> no. Joseph is so faithful that he's put in charge of the prison. Maybe this doesn't challenge you guys. But for me, this challenges me to my core. I'm not surprised that God put this in the Bible as a standard for when you're going through a difficult time, should you still be faithful and acting how you're supposed to? Are you falsely imprisoned? When you're innocent? I don't think so. After that, Joseph interprets dreams for some of Pharaoh's people. And he's like, hey, man, don't forget about me when you get up out of here. Because part of the dream that he was interpreting was saying that both of these guys were going to get out of prison. One had a not so great end to his life. The other guy had a good life. He was restored to his position as Pharaoh's cupbearer, all this stuff, good stuff. He's like, don't forget about me when you get back in front of Pharaoh. And so... The guy gets out and forgets about him. And he's in prison for another two years. Joseph is then given the opportunity to interpret dreams for Pharaoh. God gives Pharaoh this dream. And 
two dreams, actually, and he's trying to figure out what is going on. He stirred him up so much about it that Pharaoh's asking all the magicians and all these people. Nobody could give him an answer. And so Joseph is finally remembered as he's just down there being faithful in prison. And he's brought up and he interprets the dreams for Pharaoh. And then Joseph is put in charge of Egypt. And then Joseph ends up saving his family during a famine and being a shadow of Christ to come. So, what I want to talk about tonight is that as we pursue success, God often brings us through suffering. And the title of tonight's message is Suffering to Success. And how, if you look at the end of Joseph's life, you'll see somebody who's blessed beyond measure, who's clearly successful, has started from the bottom. (laughs) Now he's here. In charge of Egypt, over everything, running all of Egypt after getting sold into slavery in Egypt. Can you imagine the 60-minute interviews this dude would be having? Can you imagine how popping his IG would be? Yeah, man, you know, I, I started... I started as, you know, a shepherd, and then my brothers tried to kill me, and I got sold into slavery, but, you know, I I just kept grinding. I just kept working, you know, I stayed focused. That's probably not how that would go, but that's how we would do it if we were Joseph, and that's why we're not Joseph. All right. So, I want us to explore how God used suffering to equip Joseph for success and how he does that in our own lives. In God's kingdom, suffering precedes success because your suffering equips you to handle what success brings. I need you to leave that up on the screen for a second so everybody can write that down. If you don't get anything except that, You need that. In God's kingdom, because when you are a follower of Christ, you don't operate based on conventional wisdom. You don't operate based on the generally accepted norms and beliefs. You are under the culture of the king. And in God's kingdom, suffering will always precede success because your suffering is what equips you to handle what success brings. Some of you think that you're facing challenges now in your suffering and you don't realize that the more challenging spot is the success. Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? There is nothing like success to challenge you for your soul. But through your suffering, through what God builds in you, in your suffering, that's what equips you to handle what the success will bring. Because you have to learn about God in the tough times. And so I want to talk about three things Christians learn through suffering. And I say Christians in particular because you don't learn this if you don't have Jesus. Without Jesus, you just suffer. 
Without Jesus, your suffering has no purpose. Eternally. But with Jesus, your suffering is equipping you. Last message we talked about how we can consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because the testing of our faith will produce perseverance. And then it talks about how when that's done, we will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And so the suffering that you experience through trials and tests produce something in you that will make you mature. God is not just trying to beat up on you. I wanna say that again. God is not just trying to beat up on you. God knows what he's doing. When you trust the builder, you have to trust the builder. When you trust the builder, you will trust the process. And so I wanna talk about three things Christians learn through suffering. One, suffering teaches you the value of God's presence. When God is all you have, you learn that God is all you need. We can leave that up there for a second too. <laughs> suffering teaches you the value of God's presence. Because when God is all you have, you learn that God is all you need. God was with Joseph at every step of his journey. And we first see God with Joseph early on, giving him a vision of what was to come. But he didn't give him the whole picture. He just showed him that he was with him. Sometimes God gives you a glimpse of what your life is gonna look like, but you gotta stick around with him long enough to see what that actually means. Because some of us would have had this dream of people bowing down to us, come up with a whole interpretation and been like, God has called me to be king of my family. That's not exactly what it meant. One of the dreams was the moon and stars bowing down to him. God has called me to rule the stars. No, you gotta stick around long enough to see as he unfolds and reveals the truth, because that's how God operates. We came out of the series, reveal. That's what God does, he reveals. And so in Genesis 39.1, we see when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Joseph was separated from his family. Joseph had left everything that he knew, but God had not left Joseph. When you are walking with God, God says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Your circumstances when you are walking with God, are not a result of God leaving you or God abandoning you. Even if you get sold into slavery, most of y'all are not experiencing that. This 
is one of the stories that took me through a lot of really difficult times in life because it's just hard to feel like you're justified in like complaining when you see somebody getting sold into slavery and then falsely imprisoned. It's just hard to complain when that person didn't complain and you see the Lord was with them. And as long as they stayed faithful to what God was trying to do through them, they were blessed. So after he's falsely accused and imprisoned, says, so he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. I don't know. I didn't actually do the research on that part. I don't know if being a king's prisoner, being held in that place was worse or better. But I'd imagine if you were the king's prisoner, you really did something wrong. And so it probably wasn't a good place to be. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. So many of us are looking for the faithful love of God in just blessings and in positive circumstances. But in your suffering, when you see the presence of God, that's where you learn the value of the presence of God. And you see when God is all you have, God is all you need. Even to the point that you can be content with God even when you're falsely imprisoned. So much that you can live joyfully in a way that blesses other people and tells the, makes the guy who's in charge of everything say, I want to put you in charge of everything. You seem like you have life figured out. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. I would present that God often teaches us through contrast. And we can see the impact of God's presence most clearly in what appear to be bad circumstances. Maybe you didn't catch that. When your situation is really bad and appears to be bad and you have the presence of God there, that's where you have peace that surpasses understanding. It's one thing to have peace when everything is going well, but to have peace that surpasses understanding, there's got to be something going on for people to think you shouldn't have peace. You should not have peace when you're falsely imprisoned. When you're in prison as an innocent man. But we see in Joseph's life that the presence of God was all he needed. God was showing him his faithful love. And I don't know, maybe, maybe some of you guys have not experienced the faithful love of God. But I will tell you as somebody who has, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. God's love can bring peace, can bring contentment, even through what appears to be the worst of circumstances. Because for Joseph, he wasn't really in bad circumstances. Bad circumstances would be being anywhere without God. That would be bad circumstances. The presence of God, the blessing of God, the peace of God, the presence of God being with him makes any situation, any circumstance good because God is there. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. 
Amen. Two, suffering teaches you humility. You cannot learn humility through success. <laughs> Thank you, Shay. You cannot learn humility through success. You learn it through suffering and then you fight to keep it in your success. You cannot learn humility through success. You learn humility in your suffering and then you fight to keep it when you're successful. Because it's a challenge to maintain your humility when you're successful because something about our human brains keeps telling us we're amazing. And we're here because we're amazing. And so then it's hard to be humble when you are successful. Unless you have been in such a low and desperate place, aware of your need for God, and you see God show you his faithful love, then bring you out. That will sustain even through success because you know you didn't get you there. When Pharaoh finally calls on Joseph, when somebody says, oh, man, I forgot about that dude in prison who interpreted my dream and really, like, blessed my whole life. Pharaoh, this guy can interpret your dreams. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, because he was rough from being in prison, he went in and stood before, before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means, but I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Listen to Joseph's reply. It is beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Humility taught through being in low places. It's beyond my power to do this. I interpret a lot of dreams, but it's not me. Because I never learned dream interpretation as a shepherd or as a slave or as a prisoner. But while I was a shepherd, and while I was a slave, and while I was a prisoner, the Lord was with me, and I've seen what he can do in any circumstance. So let me tell you, it's not me, but God can tell you what it means. Someone who has not clearly seen the hand of God in their lives stands at a disadvantage because they do not understand their own need. If you have not clearly seen God move in your life, you stand at a disadvantage because you don't even know how much you need God. If you think that everything that you have, I mean, now granted, scripture says that all men are without excuse because if you can like move your fingers and you breathe and your heart beats and you think and have thoughts and you can see stuff that's not there but you see it, but not with your eyes, in your brain, you could see like pictures. If you do all that, and you don't see that there's something way bigger than you happening, 
then you really have not learned humility. Your existence really should humble you if you just look around and see how amazing God's creation is. It says that what's to be known about God is made plain by what he's created. Look around. That's what God says. When you don't know your need for God, you stand at a disadvantage. But let me tell you, if you're going through something that's making you say, God, I need you, you are at an, at an advantage. Stumbling on the words tonight. You are at an advantage if you are going through a situation that is showing you your need for God. If I had not learned my need for God before standing up here and talking to you guys, the messages would probably be very different. If I had just been told I was a great speaker and just studied speaking and came up here and tried to deliver great speeches, there would be nothing of substance for you to hear. But all I have to say to you is it's beyond my power to do this, but God can. God can. It's beyond my power to do anything worthwhile, but God can. And I've seen God be with me regardless of where I've been. I've worked a bunch of different jobs, been through a bunch of different seasons, had a bunch of different visions of what my life might look like. But in every season, I'm able to see God's faithfulness and God has been showing me his faithful love so that when I'm here and there's a lot more to lose, if I don't know God, if I don't understand my need for God, when I'm here and there's a lot more to lose, God has prepared me and equipped me for the challenges that I face being here through what he did in my life before I got here. Suffering will teach you humility. And knowing how much you need God is a beautiful thing. And someone who's learned humility takes the same posture as Joseph. I cannot, but God can. Third thing is suffering teaches you proper perspective. There are so many times in our lives where we're wanting circumstances to change and God just wants to change our perspective. Joseph not only miraculously rose out of what appeared to be a hopeless situation, but he came out with revelation and understanding of who God is and reverence for God. So where a lot of people would have been complaining in that prison, where a lot of people would have been complaining in that slavery, where a lot of people would have had a lot of unforgiveness to deal with after being sold by their own family and their siblings told their father they were dead and you went out just on a regular day's trip and now you, you'll, you don't see your father anymore, you don't see your family anymore, you're completely isolated in a foreign place and then more bad stuff's happening to you. A lot of people would have complained. But Joseph experienced the presence of God, allowed God to show him his faithful love in each circumstance, in each situation. We see in Genesis 50, after 
what ends up happening is the dream that Pharaoh has is God telling him about a famine that's going to happen in seven years from then. And so Joseph says, God's telling you that you're about to have seven years of abundance, and then there's going to be a seven-year famine that's going to be terrible. So you need to appoint someone who's wise and can make some wise decisions for you in this seven years of abundance so that you're prepared for the seven years of famine. Pharaoh's like, why don't you do it? I'll just put you over everything. Only God. Only God. It's only through God that a situation like that happens. And so Joseph's family is a part of the people who are in the land that is experiencing a famine. So they come to Egypt because Egypt was the only place that had food because God had placed Joseph there with wisdom to store up that abundance so that they had an abundance when everybody else was in a famine. That's what the wisdom of God will do in your life. Regardless of what is happening around you, the presence of God, the wisdom of God will make your life a much different environment. And so they're traveling to Egypt because Egypt is the only place with food. Long story short, Joseph doesn't tell them at first that he's their brother. They don't even recognize him, I'm assuming, because he looks super Egyptian at this point. They don't recognize him, but he's doing all this stuff that's making them go like, why is this dude doing this, putting us through all this stuff? And in the end, Joseph ends up blessing them, telling them who he is, forgiving them. And what he says is, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He's saying, I'm not even mad at you. I know you had terrible intentions. You guys were trying to murder me. However, even in these difficult circumstances, I've seen how faithful and loving God is. And God has blessed me so much. God has been with me so much. I've grown so close to God that I'm not even mad that what you guys did put me in this position because I'm doing well now. And God has shown his faithfulness. God brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. There was purpose, and Joseph had his perspective changed because suffering will teach you perspective, proper perspective, that when God is with you, it doesn't matter who's against you. When God is for you, who can be against you? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But if you don't ever go, any, go through anything, that's not really gonna resonate with you. If he who is in the world doesn't really seem all that threatening or like a problem, then greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world, great. 
But when you've been through something, when you go through challenging circumstances, when your life looks like it's falling apart, when you're getting attacked on every side, then when you know that God being in you and him being greater is all you need, that's when you understand that. In Romans 8, 28, Paul says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. God's intention for this building project that he's doing in your life is to make you like Jesus. We see this in Joseph's life because Joseph was a picture of Jesus. Joseph is betrayed by his brothers. Joseph is sold, betrayed, despised, hated by the people who are supposed to be close to him. We see a picture of ourselves in Joseph's brothers through our sin, through our rejection of God. And we see a picture of the gospel in this story. In Hebrews 5, it says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with, with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. You mean even Jesus suffered? Let's listen to that again. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Jesus understood the greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world because Jesus was facing really difficult circumstances. And it says, and God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him. In this way, through what he suffered and him learning obedience through his suffering and him crying out to God and him having such a deep reverence for God. In this way, God qualified him. Jesus was God's son. Jesus is God's son. The son of God, equal to God, left heaven, came to earth, is born, lives life. We call him Jesus. He's God. And that didn't qualify him? In this way? Oh, so you mean God's process doesn't change even for his own son. The same son who he said, this is my son who I love. In him I am well pleased. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. God loves you. 
God loves you passionately. Jesus says that he's loved you, that the Father has loved you like he loves Jesus. And that verse right there just messes me up because it's hard to believe. God loves me like he loves Jesus. Jesus was perfect in this earthly life. I'm not, but through what Jesus accomplished, I get to take on his identity and now I can make a choice whether I'm going to be like Joseph's brothers who couldn't see the plan of God, who despised the plan of God, who rejected the plan of God as soon as they heard it. Or I could be like Joseph and be faithful through trials, faithful through testing, faithful and learn obedience even through my suffering because God is trying to build something in me through what I'm going through. God is not just trying to beat you up. God is training you. God is equipping you. God is building in your life. And so, as I mentioned earlier, we're called to receive Christ and then we're called to reflect Christ. If you're in here today and there's been something burning on the inside of you and you're saying, I want a life like that. That even in the midst of difficult circumstances, even in the midst of tests and trials, I could have joy. I could see God's faithful love even through difficult circumstances because he's with me. I want a relationship like that where I know God. If you're in here today and you don't have that, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to say this prayer with me. Jesus. And we're all saying this together. Jesus. I thank you for saving me. I turn away from my old life and I receive you as my leader and as my savior. I surrender my whole life to you. I know you are faithful and that when you begin this, you will be faithful to complete it. I trust you as the builder and I will trust your process. In Jesus' name. And maybe you already knew Jesus, maybe you already know Jesus, but you've just been going through it. Because some of you guys said, yeah, I've been going through it when I first came on. And so I wanna give you guys some time tonight. The band is gonna come out and we're gonna take some time to worship I don't know what you in particular need to do tonight. Maybe you need to just go after God in this moment. Maybe you were reminded that God is showing you his faithful love in this time. Or maybe you just need to listen. And maybe you just need to hear because Joseph, the key to him getting out was hearing God.
Nobody heard from God but Joseph. So they brought Joseph out of the prison because he was the only one who heard God. Maybe you just need to hear God today and know that God wants you to hear him in every circumstance. And so we're all gonna stand. You can remain seated if you need to, but I suggest you stand. And we're gonna listen, we're gonna worship, and we're gonna hear from God. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. Father, I thank you for your word in this place. God, I thank you that you are here and you are ready to speak. Open our hearts, open our ears to hear you. Open our eyes to see you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.